Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. A market that saw a bit of a turnaround from what we saw in yesterday's trade, though we still dealt with a lot of mixed numbers and definitely a lower drop continuing on the livestock side of the trade. Interesting. I totally missed it. The question is, did you guys as well? The USDA posting some numbers early like early as in a few days early. We'll talk about a little bit of those numbers, how that may have set the market tone for today, and does it affect what we see going into Friday? How much is weather really an issue? We've had some decent rains around the Midwest, some getting 10 inches plus in the last two weeks. Good for beans, obviously corn not as much of a factor. Then we'll look at what's been going on in this livestock trade with the cash market and the, and the dip that we've seen within this cattle market. Arlen Suderman joins us today. He is with Stonex. So you brought it to my attention. I was knee deep in Husker Harvest Day stuff today and and missed that quick post from the USDA, but there's a lot of folks that didn't. Yeah, there was uh, some people happen to go to the FSA uh, website uh, where it posts monthly the results of its processing and certification results. And that is the data that USDA WASDE has said that it will use to adjust its planted acreage numbers on Friday. Now, normally FSA does not make that data available until after the WASDE report has been released. Uh, so WASDE gets to see it first and then everybody else. Uh, but when they, this individual went to look at the site, um, it was there. When they tried to download it, uh, it locked up and immediately it disappeared like USDA realized what they had done. Um, but Bloomberg was able to capture it and make it available to its customers. And so it was on there. Now, the question is, how do you interpolate the data? Um, because this is farmer certification, and we know that not 100% of farm ground is certified. Not everybody participates in the government programs. Most people do, all do not. We also cannot say for sure that the data is final. Um, certainly not. Um, September data rarely is final. USDA WASDE said they felt like it was close enough for them to go ahead and make some adjustments to their planted acreage numbers. Uh, so we assume from that that they're uh, fairly confident that the numbers are getting close to final, but there may be additional adjustments. Now, as we look at the numbers that were released and total them up, the corn acres there were about 98.4% of USDA's current planted acreage estimate. Soybeans were at 97.4%. Um, how does that compare then to planted acres? What does that mean? Well, normally the FSA numbers are less than the planted acres. This would suggest, though, that these numbers are a little bit higher than what we would normally expect, particularly the corn number. So, therefore, we would expect USDA to probably make an increase in the corn acreage estimate on Friday. But it's a little bit risky to say by how much at this point. And I think the markets are already trading that expectation. I think the bigger concern is how this data was released early and why. And um, hopefully it doesn't happen again. But basically, it does look like we are going to see an increase in acreage, maybe as much as a million acres or more on corn, maybe probably less than that on soybeans. Um, but uh, we'll have to wait for Friday to see what USDA actually decides to do with their official numbers in the WASDE report.
It definitely will make it interesting, especially since um, so many entities were able to download that data before it was taken off the website and are going to get a few days to analyze it before those numbers come out at 11 o'clock on Friday. Yeah, it's supposed to all be about fairness. It's supposed to all be about uh, uh, everyone having access to the same data at the same time. Um, So this isn't the first time leaks have happened, but it's probably one of the more noticeable incidents that we've seen and uh, certainly something that's an embarrassment to USDA. Having said that, and as you look at this report that's coming up on on Friday, from a producer perspective, are we still, could we possibly see that initial knee-jerk reaction to the numbers at 11 o'clock in so many seconds? Well, I think the market reaction is interesting because initially it was rallying when the data got released, and then it's like people didn't know what to make of it. Um, but then we saw corn come off of its highs, soybeans came off of their highs, but then firmed once again. And I, I think that's probably because the corn number problem that we see from FSA, if in fact these are the legitimate numbers, may be a little bit more bearish than what are the soybean numbers. Uh, and I think corn and soybeans overall were probably a little bit higher today because we'd come down so far. We were bouncing off of chart support areas. And when the market starts leaning one way ahead of report, which it was, then people start getting nervous. Maybe we've reacted too far the other way. So we did see that buying come in, but then these numbers came out, people trying to react to them. I think it's also important to state that we're seeing progress at the ports of New Orleans and getting things opened up. We've got a couple of uh, ports, uh, facilities that are now fully operational. The river is operational for barges and boats. Uh, certainly these, a couple of the terminals are. The terminals that are, received more significant damage, uh, it's mostly the conveyor, seas, uh, conveyor systems of going over canals and stuff. They'll probably be in working order another week or 10 days, um, and power should be restored to most of the remaining terminals for full operation probably within two days, according to the uh, website of the energy company handling it. All right. Well, stick around, folks. When we come back, we're going to continue to take a look at what's been happening on the grain complex, the livestock as well, as those cattle just continue to see the stumbles in the trade as we hit this midweek. Arlen Suderman is joining us. It's the Wednesday version of the Fontenelle Final Bell right here on the Rural Radio Network. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. We're continuing our conversation this afternoon with Arlen Suderman. Arlen is with Stonex, and as we left for commercial break, I mentioned about this weather, and I know there are some areas that received in a two-week time frame 10-plus inches, Arlen. Um, good for the beans, probably not so much for the corn at this point, but I think if you look at the big picture, any rain now is good for going into spring next year. Yeah, that's a big part of it. Uh, we never want to turn down rain, so to speak, although I know people would say there's certainly been some extremes where it created flooding and problems. I, I get that. But as a general rule, if we don't use it, hopefully we're storing it in the ground and, and can utilize it at later time or later season. Uh, not everybody across the Midwest is getting the rain, so there are con- some concerns in many parts of the Midwest that the crops are finishing too fast. 
which tends to give you a smaller seed size, be it corn or beans. We also have a lot of disease problems being reported in much of Illinois. That's kind of taking the cream off the top of the crop, so to speak. But overall, it's a good corn and soybean crop. We know we have the problems in the Dakotas and Minnesota and parts of Nebraska and Iowa, um, but we've got some areas that are well above trend or may see some record high yields as well. But some of those areas with the record high yields in the eastern Midwest, that top is being taken off right now. So I'm real anxious to see what USDA does with its yields. The first time they've done some objective field sampling this year and where that puts them. Um, and then those who got the rains, very fortunate and uh, blessed to have that and helping those thighs get a little bigger, and that helps boost those final yields. So, again, we find ourselves back doing what we've been doing all year long, is debating how the good and the bad balance out with each other. The general thinking is still that we're going to be just slightly below trend on a national basis this year, but the margin for error is very small. So uh, that means that the market's probably going to respond more if USDA has a bullish surprise in the yields than if we have a bearish surprise. How much of pressure is La Nina putting on South America and getting these crops in the ground? Yeah, we've seen a lot of cooling of waters off the west coast of South America, working up north to the equatorial Pacific area, which is where we really measure sea surface temperatures for the ENSO cycle, whether it's La Nina or El Nino. Uh, But we are seeing general cooling there as well. And so that has given us somewhat La Nina-like weather pattern for South America. That means we're drying out for Argentina, we're drying out for southern Brazil. We're not seeing it significantly yet, but the forecasts are certainly showing it as La Nina starts to develop. We've had some showers in far southern Brazil. We think those are generally going to start drying up. The forecast models are in disagreement on the center west area of Brazil, which is the, really their high production area. Um, and we're concerned primarily in Brazil about soybeans now. They're going to start planting soybeans, moisture permitting, on September 15th. That's when the law allows them to be planted in center west area. Um, and last year, the problem was that it, the rainy season didn't start until late, mid to late October. So they had to wait to plant the soybeans. The soybeans got enough rain to grow a pretty decent crop, but that pushed the planting of the second crop, corn, late so that its reproductive cycle got pushed into the dry season again. That's why we had the big drop in corn production. Will it be a repeat this year or not? And the atmospheric indicators are giving us some real mixed signals. Some of them saying yes, some of them no. Right now, the bias is that uh, we're going to kind of remain dry in the center west area um, right on through September. Not all the models agree on that, but that's kind of where the leaning is right now. Most areas have been so dry for the last several months, they need a good two-inch rain before they can really go in and plant. So that's kind of what we're watching for at this point and seeing if we get that here over the next couple of weeks. On the livestock side of it, Arlen, we've we've seen this roller coaster cattle market, but then we get data that comes out about export numbers during the month of July and some really good news for the beef industry. Yeah, we knew demand was good for the product. That's what's had product prices so expensive and packer margins so high. The problem has been packer capacity, but now we see the data came out for July, export data, 
showing that we exported 297 million pounds of beef in July. That's the third largest monthly total ever, and a big part of it was China. China took 51 million pounds, the largest it had ever taken, moving it up to third place in our export market. On the other hand, when you look at the pork data, pork exports really starting to drop off. You can really see from the data that China is starting to back away from U.S. pork now because of its domestic supplies that it has that it's rebuilding. So pork and beef going in opposite directions. All right, Arlen, best way for folks to get a hold of you? StoneX.com over on Twitter. My handle is Arlen, A-R-L-A-N-F-F-101. And that is today's Fontenelle Final Bell. Just a reminder, commodity futures and options do involve substantial risk of loss, and they're not suitable for all investors. The Fontenelle Final Bell brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all the local dealers on the Rural Radio Network.